Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Hello, everyone. This is Matt here for the HR Chat Show. I'm sitting in for Bill this week, and this week we're chatting with Matt Alder. Matt is a talent acquisition innovation consultant at MetaShift, and we're going to discuss two topics today. The first, storytelling in the context of employment branding, and second, HR tech trends, innovations, and best practices. Matt is based in Edinburgh, Scotland. In my opinion, one of the most beautiful cities on this planet. Outside the office, Matt has a three-year-old, which means, really, he doesn't have any hobbies uh, other than running his own podcast, which if you haven't had a chance to check it out, we will link it in the show details below. Matt, welcome to the HR Chat Show. Thank you very much for having me. Um, an absolute pleasure to be on someone else's podcast for a change. Yeah, a bit of role reversal today for you, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's good. It's good. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here waiting for, uh, waiting for your questions rather than having to think of my own for a change. Yeah, it's a big difference uh, when you are hosting a show and having to develop questions and doing research on your guests and, of course, looking into how we can pull the most amount of value out of, out of a 25-minute conversation. Uh, it's very different than just showing up and having a chat. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, let's get right into it. Um, one thing I've been talking a lot about lately, Matt, has been the focus on storytelling of late. And whether it's in the context of artificial intelligence or HR analytics or HR technology, um, storytelling seems to have kind of a groundswell, if you will, of, of support, a resurgence, if you will. Um, and in large part, that's because of the science behind it. It's been proven time and time again that we as human beings connect well with stories. What are you seeing on the employment branding context of that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a really interesting question. Um, you know, like you, I've been seeing uh, a lot more uh, focus um, and conversation around storytelling and business storytelling. Um, I've had a number of guests on my own podcast talking about um, various aspects of business storytelling and the science behind it. Um, and it. And it really is a, a fascinating topic. And it's something I'd recommend everyone sort of looks into. Um, one of my favorite um, authors around this topic is a guy called uh, Shane Snow, um, who's written some great stuff on the power of business storytelling and how to do it and, and all that sort of stuff. So um, I, I'd kind of recommend going and checking out some of the stuff that he writes about um, if you want to get um, an insight into the science of storytelling and why it's um, something that's so incredibly important. Um, specifically in employer branding, um, it's kind of really interesting because employer brands should be all about storytelling, um, you know, and all about storytelling and stories that resonate with uh, the target audience um, and really offer a, a transparent, um, a transparent view of the organization that's having the stories um, told about it. Um, but I don't think we're there yet. I think that um, many organizations are still trying to get their, um, their head around um, the best way to do this. Um, many of them are taking uh, too much control over their own story. They're not allowing um, their employees' voices to come through. And also people um, tend to uh, create stories that are very much about, about them and their view of the world. Um, 
and and actually if you're appealing to um specific target audiences of people to to join your organization um, and particularly for many companies many companies will be um, employing people with backgrounds and skill sets that perhaps they've never um, had to engage with before um, as sort of digital transformation rolls out across many businesses um, it's kind of really important that actually um, you know we're creating and telling stories that resonate um, with the audience for those stories. So uh, I've been really encouraged to see much more uh, talk about storytelling um, in employer branding, but I, I don't think um, we're quite there yet. I think that, um, you know, a, a number of companies could, could still really up their game in this space. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and I hear much the same perspective. Why do you think reluctance to kind of let go and let the stories evolve naturally why do some companies still you think feel the need to kind of micromanage that part of it I think that's just because, um, you know, traditionally that's how that's how marketing's worked. It's always been um, it's always been a very much sort of uh, command and control uh, type discipline. Uh, you know, let's let's shape the story, let's own the story. Uh, you know, let's make sure everything is consistent and following our um, you know guidelines and and, and rules. Um, and also, um, you know, I think people are still getting used to this idea of um, this idea of trans transparency and I think that um, you know there are lots of people in the HR profession who are still uh, you know terrified um, about uh, you know let, let, letting letting sort of go of that control when it comes to um, storytelling about the business so um, you know there are some companies doing some great great stuff in this uh, in, in this in, in this space but I think that the, the, there's still a, a kind of tradition of command and control marketing um, and also still a fair amount of um, uh, you know fear of the unknown and uh, fear of unintended or even intended consequences when it comes to uh, you know when it comes to to, to, to crafting these, these these kind of storytelling strategies. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And to those individuals, what I usually say is the story is happening and evolving anyway. So the illusion of control really is just that. It, it, it's a fallacy, uh, whether it's social media, whether it's um, you know, offline type conversations, people are having the conversation around your organization and around your brand. Um, all the more reason to encourage the dialogue kind of front of the house. So at least the organization has an opportunity to participate in the conversation um, and, and in some ways influence the direction of it by adding its own perspective into the conversation. So um, I, I think it's a, I think you're right. I think it is a historical um, anomaly and I think that it is slowly starting to shift and that the organizations that do this best uh, empower their employees to contribute to the story because ultimately today we're not buying brands, we're buying people. And um, you know, organizations are collections of people and, and consumers want to know who we're buying from. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, things have certainly got better over the last um, the last the last few years because yeah, we've been having this conversation about control and um, um, and fear probably for about a decade now, ever since um, you know social media and sort of more participatory uh, you know digital formats um, uh, arrived. So you know, I think I think things things have things have moved on, but I think that people need to think about it even harder now because it's like you really have to have um, a strategy sitting behind this. It's not just a, a quick case of, um, you know, kind of opening the floodgates. It's really thinking about, uh, you know, target audiences and, and how you 
and how you engage them. There is so much competition out there for, uh, you know, for talent. And um, so many people, uh, you know, do some great marketing, but it kind of all looks and sounds the same. And, uh, you know, really understanding how uh, you can use something like strategic business storytelling to, uh, to stand out and resonate and ultimately, uh, you know, persuade someone that you're the employer for them is, uh, is, is absolutely crucial. In terms of employment branding, what's an organization or maybe a story perhaps, Matt, in the context of this conversation that you've heard they do really, really well? So is there an organization that stands out to you that has done a great job with storytelling? And if so, what does that look like? Yeah, I think there's uh, there's there's a few. Um, you know, I work with a few that are um, you know really doing some 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 great stuff. I suppose the the one that sticks in my mind because it, it it's because um, I included it in. Um, um, I included it in a book, a book that I wrote uh, sort of 18 months ago. So um, 18, 18 months ago, uh, me and my uh, very good friend Mervyn Dinan um, published a book called Exceptional Talent, which uh, looked at how organizations could um, attract, retain and develop, um, you know, the right talent for their for their for their business and um um you know one of the the case studies that that that, that was really interesting for me that came out was from the the restaurant chain Chili's um, and uh, Chili's had kind of, uh, you know, d- traditional organization um, had, had looked really sort of closely at the, uh, the kind of storytelling that was going on about them in social media already. Um, and I think this is also interesting because um, sometimes when we talk about storytelling, people um, are imagining, you know, books or long form, uh, long form prose or, or, or long videos or films or whatever that might be. Um, and, and in their case, it was very much just, um, you know, a series of images and, and, and comments on Instagram that were telling the story. So um, they sort of really embraced storytelling. They they hooked into their employees who were already talking about, uh, you know, talking about the brand on social media um, and, uh, you know, put lots of initiatives in place to make it easier um, for their employees to tell stories about um, what it was really like to work there. And they had a very clear strategy in mind in terms of, um, you know, dispelling some myths about them in the marketplace and really showing, uh, you know, really showing people that uh, they were a great place to work. And, um, you know, there was some, there was some really interesting targeting within that in terms of um, exactly who they were trying to influence so um, I think it's a great case study because it's kind of very strategic Um, it's all about a company um, letting go of uh, you know a a perception of control they thought they had um, and also really embracing the the great things that their employees were saying about them so um, you know it's kind of uh, it's kind of a couple of years couple of couple of years old but it still sort of remains my favorite uh, storytelling case study if you like and on that thread uh, I know that you and I are very similar in that we come across people that are doing really exciting innovative things um, in HR technology HR analytics um, and one particular story that I've heard recently is an organization that has done a great job and I'll give them a bit of a plug here uh, plum one of my Canadian brethren plum out of Ontario doing a great job of connecting data and science to the talent management process and trying to remove kind of the cloak, if you will, around that. Um, What kind of things are you seeing in terms of HR innovation technology from your end of things? Um, it's, uh, it, we live in an amazing time. <laughs> There's sort of so much, uh, uh, you know, so much innovation, 
um, and uh, interesting interesting technology that's uh, that, that's out there at the moment. And um, you know, certainly starting to see some um, interesting things with um, you know HR analytics. People really sort of uh, uh, you know digging into what's going in on in their organisation, trying to make uh, you know trying to make recommendations and predictions based on uh, based on huge amounts of data um you know there's some fascinating things going on in the assessment space in terms of uh um you know using advanced technologies to try and work out um you know whether people are going to be uh a great fit you know a great fit for a job and a and a company um so you know there's literally just so much stuff um going on um and in some ways you know maybe that's kind of a bit of a problem because i think that lots of people um you know who who work in hr are just completely overwhelmed and 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 confused um and have so much information about innovation and cool technologies being thrown at them um you know it, it's sometimes difficult to know uh you know to know what to do to know uh you know what's what's really working um and uh, and what they should be doing so it's kind of a double-edged sword i think we're seeing some um you know we're seeing some fantastic kind of mini case studies um in sort of various aspects of hr technology innovation um, but i also think that there's a lot of uh confusion out there and uh, uh perhaps a lack of uh lack of sort of joined up thinking uh when it comes to the um the implementation of some of these technologies i again um exactly what i'm hearing as well it's just a function of you know i, I use this in the context of data matt and i'm actually presenting in a couple of conferences in the next few weeks one in copenhagen in march and then a couple here in vancouver uh in april and when you know it, the, the topic that the organizers have asked me to speak about in all three cases is the idea of analytics and storytelling in that blend. And how I open that conversation is really the historical kind of arc, if you will, of analytics and HR. I remember 15, almost 20 years ago now when analytics really kind of first came into the profession. And there was this, this overarching belief that it was going to be our salvation. It was finally, HR was finally going to be quantifiable and therefore we could build strong business cases. We would be able to establish legitimacy at the boardroom tables. Um, we could use it to argue for, for more resources and funding to do the things that we knew needed to happen, but that previously we only could argue in a qualitative sense. And you know, flash forward 15, 20 years from now, in some cases that's worked really well in some organizations and some have been lagging where those analytics have been leveraged more in a report card or a scorecard methodology. Um, and it becomes more of a, a reactionary type of a, a HR approach. So you see a, you know, a metric that is below or above standard and you jump on it. Um, whereas predictive analytics, as you've referenced, uh, give us the ability to you know, forecast and potentially ward off risk before it hits. The challenge today isn't that we don't have enough data like we did 15, 20 years ago. It's that we have too much of it. And how do we make sense of all of it? And how do we pull the salient pieces of information from that pile and take action against it. That really is the challenge that I'm hearing from a lot of HR professionals. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would absolutely agree. And I think that, um, again, it kind of really underlines the fact that, uh, you know, te technology and uh, technical technology driven innovation uh, is, is only a small part of this picture. And, and actually, um, you know, understanding 
the objectives you have and the, 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 the strategy that's in place and, and, and what you're trying to actually achieve and how you're trying to make the business better. Um, and then looking at how technology can, can help facilitate that um, is kind of a much better way of thinking. And I think just because you, you can uh, do some of these things, it doesn't necessarily mean you should. And I think that um, also, I think very often, um, you know, it can take a very, very long time to um, implement uh, you know, some of these initiatives and um, put some of this software in place. Um, and, uh, you know, over that period of time, it's quite, it's quite feasible that the, the original sort of thinking and objectives behind doing it have, have, have been lost or morphed into someone else, something else, or even, uh, you know, the people who made the initial decision to, to use the software have moved on to another organization. And um, you, you end up with a very kind of different um, you know, different sort of set of outputs than the the, the original plan. So I think, um, you know, te- technology is uh, technology is is is, is great, but um, you know, understanding what you're trying to get out of it and the whole, uh, you know, the people part and the change management part are just absolutely critical to. Um, you know, getting these things done properly. And I think some of the best examples I've seen have come from not necessarily, you know, complex or highly innovative uh, use of technology, but just using technology um, with a very sort of specific end in mind and, uh, uh, you know, very, very clear clear objectives that tie tie into the corporate strategy. Yeah, and as you've referenced, an understanding of how the technology fits into the other elements of your HR strategy. So whether that strategy is technology enabled, um, there's nothing worse than buying a technology solution that doesn't integrate within your existing architecture because then you're operating parallel systems, you're completing duplicate data entry, and you're chewing up finite resources. And you have to ask yourself if the incremental benefit of the new system really justifies the 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 incremental you know, cost of resources to achieve it. I think that's critical. And then also you've referenced, I, I, I completely agree, it's understanding how the technology changes culture. Um, you know, if you are an organization that traditionally has not leveraged technology in its daily operations, introducing a whole bunch of HR systems, while it may seem like a lot of great sense for the HR side of things, if your end user is not, does not have a high level of technological acumen, you may actually create more problems than you solve. And it's an, you need an understanding of where the technology fits within your organizational strategy and structure and processes. And if you are on a path to automation or are on a path to using technology to enable your organization, it's just being mindful of where everyone is at and moving at the pace at which change is, is realistic. You know, we're in an era right now where everybody wants things instantly, and I understand that. I'm quite an impatient person myself. But there is an element of understanding that there's a, a larger group that you have to look at to ensure that you have the success. Otherwise, this is, how, this is why technology projects don't work, um, why, they, why they atrophy, because we, we put technologies in place and then we find out that the end user hasn't adopted them because they have other ways of working around it that are more comfortable and frankly, in some cases, better for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, that whole uh, sort of user centered design piece is absolutely critical. And it's, um, it's, um, it's encouraging and interesting to see uh, lots of companies now thinking in that way and actually thinking about, um, you know, what lessons can we learn from uh, the, you know, the consumer experiences that we might create? And how do we relate that to, uh, you know, our own 
employees experience and uh, how can we use technology to actually um, give them a better experience rather than um, you know you know change that or do that in a way that doesn't work um, and also I think that um, you know particularly when organizations are trying to put um, you know you mentioned uh, you know consistent systems and uh, you know not uh, not using lots and lots of different uh, you know different um, you know different platforms um, there, there is also I think we, and I'm seeing this quite a lot with uh, some of the clients that I work with um, there, there is a big issue with unintended consequences here where um, an organization might buy um, an HR tech platform to uh, you know with a certain aspect of HR in mind but actually um, you know that platform might not be very good at other things that they're hoping to uh, hoping to use it for and you end up with uh, uh, you know something for example you know completely hypothetical example something that um, you know is, is brilliant at L&D but um, you know is also a terrible recruitment system um, and uh, you know that that that's effectively breaking part of the uh, you know part of the company's process so um, so so really that kind of that that joined up thinking um, and uh, you know looking at unintended consequences and really understanding um, you know, uh, objectives and, and strategies is, is just, it's just critical as far as I'm concerned. And you've hit on a really key point there, Matt. And I, I, I can't say this enough that to people that I talk, talk to, whether it's, you know, on, you know, social media, whether it's at conferences, whether it's, you know, in meetings, uh, the questions I get most often are about HR technology. And, you know, the analogy that I use a lot is this idea of end-to-end or enterprise solutions, as you've called them. Um, or this best of breed approach where you, you leverage several different disparate systems. And to those individuals that ask, you know, which of those two options they should choose, because there are both options on the market today. The, the, I mean, the short answer is, is depends. But in terms of helping to inform that decision, here's what I would offer. Uh, an end-to-end solution where a single HR technology stack purports to have a solution for all the HR problems that may very well be true. So they may have all the modules that you would need to operate in an HR function, but I think you're right. In a basic technology roadmap, it's just frankly unrealistic to expect that each one of those modules is going to be best of breed. They generally lead with one or two of the modules that tend to be kind of their sweet spot, and they're developing the other ones as complementary pieces to it to offer a full set of suite of options. Whereas if you go best of breed, you can literally choose the best ATS, the best LMS, the best HRS for you and your organization. But what that requires, though, is a bit more coordination in terms of multiple vendors. And then the integration of systems, either through a solutions architect or through programmers on the, on the, on the, the vendor side of things. So both are entirely possible. Um, ultimately, it comes down to what's the best fit for your organization. In some cases, you just want to make one decision with one vendor in one time. I understand that then your end-to-end solution is going to make sense for you. Just understand, though, to your earlier point, Matt, that not each of those modules is going to be maybe exactly what you want. You're going to have to trade off for the convenience factor. Whereas if you go best of breed, you can essentially have what you want, and a lot of times at a lower price point, but it does require more coordination and project management and change management as you're dealing with multiple different systems, multiple different vendors. So I think that's a great point. Uh, Matt, I want to close things off with one um, topic that uh, I think you'd be really interested in. I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, Recently, I've been approached uh, on a couple different occasions by individuals who are launching angel investment type groups. 
Um, and the purpose of those groups is to collect HR leaders or to other individuals within the HR sphere and have them invest in HR technology. The idea being that HR executives at the table are generally underrepresented in a lot of boards, uh, generally underrepresented in terms of investment schemes, um, and but themselves have a vested interest in watching the next generation of HR technologies take off and have a lot to add both in terms of course funding in an angel investor context, but also in terms of subject matter expertise. Um, have you seen any of that on your end? Uh, and if you have or haven't, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I haven't actually. Um, it's not something I've necessarily seen in Europe um, uh, so far, but I might, have, I might be missing it completely. Um, yeah, I think it's a, I, I think it's an interesting, I think it's a really interesting idea. I think one of the, um, you know, one of the issues that we've had um, in, in this space in the last, in the last few years is we've had um, huge, you know, multi-million um, millions worth of uh, investment kind of going in. Um, but, but, but very often, um, you know, a lot of that investment appears to be solving problems that aren't really problems or problems that have been invented because someone's come up with a, um, you know, smart, smart piece of technology. And there's, there, there's always, there's always been this kind of disconnect between um, the vendor and the buyer that I haven't really seen in any other industries. And in fact, I've done a lot of work with um, vendors helping them actually shape their, uh, you know, shape their proposition because I think that there are lots of um, technologies on the market that you know talk about solving specific problems that aren't problems or priorities for, for their for their target audience. So um, you know, anything that kind of improves that 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 relationship, I'm um, you know, I'm kind of a massive fan of. Um, I suppose the, the the other side of it is that you know you do actually need that sometimes. You do need someone um, you know who's not involved in uh you know the day-to-day -day of hr recruiting to uh you know take a look at a problem and go well why have you always done it like this why don't you do it like this instead and i think that kind of um you know out of sector um you know creative thinking is still um is still very very important so um you know if this is something that's going to help get the the balance right between the two then uh, i think it sounds uh, it sounds like a great idea Matt, as I knew it would, time has flown by today. How can our guests get a hold of you? So uh, you can find me in lots of places. Um, LinkedIn is always the uh, always the best place to get a hold of me. Um, if you want to listen to my podcast, you can find it on um, Apple Podcasts and anywhere else where podcasts are broadcast. Um, or just uh, head to the, the website for the podcast, which is www.rfpodcast.com. That's great. Matt Alder, thank you so much for your time and look forward to talking to you soon. My absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast brought to you by the HR Gazette.